am your joy stealer. I'm going to steal all your joy. I'm going to steal your joy. I'm going to steal your joy. I'm going to steal your joy. I love stealing joy. It makes me so happy. I'm going to wait to see if I can steal anyone's joy. I love my car. Oh, it gives me so much joy. I love speeding through the streets and paying over $2 a liter for fuel. I love my car. My car now. Man, I just love my nails. Aren't they just the greatest thing? So many colors, so many designs. It brings me so much joy. Even if it means that I miss out on things that I love, like opening a can of drink. Well, my nails now. (laughs) 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 I just love my husband. He's so kind, he's so handsome. He brings me so much joy. Oh, Ah. oh no. Check out my car. I have so much joy in my heart, so much joy. Uh, I'm gonna steal your, I'm gonna take the, I'm gonna, oh, how do you have so much joy in your heart and I can't take anything? Well, my joy comes from Jesus. You can have him in your heart just by praying that he'll come. Really? Yeah. Can we pray right now? Of course, let's go. Amen. I feel so much joy in my heart. I've never felt this much joy in my life. I gotta tell someone, guys, come up, come up. Oh, oh, okay, look, I'm, I'm sorry I stole all your joy. It wasn't the nice thing to do, but I've heard of this even better joy. What? Yes. Oh my goodness, tell us how we get it. It's the joy of Jesus, and we get it by praying. <gasps> Let's all it? pray, yes. Amen. <laughs> oh, We have some quality actors here at this church. Woo! That was, uh, I hope that uh, got you moving. Great work, guys. Thanks for doing that. Um, we, I just got them here at 8 o'clock this morning, and that was their first practice. So I don't know if you knew that, but that was very polished, very amazing. So let's give them another clap. Great. So here we are. We've made it to our final week in our focus series. Um, if you've been following along, the, the reason that we've been doing this series is to hone in on some key values that um, we need to be looking to towards as a church, but also as disciples of Jesus, especially in our post-Christendom society. Our central focus needs to be Jesus, his humility and obedience to the Father to the point of dying for us on the cross. We've also been told we need to look up, look to the majesty and the grandeur of God, placing our faith in his hands. We need to look around at one another. We need to be unified, bound by our love for one another. We need to look back at the faithfulness and the grace of God and seeking to disciple those who are coming behind us. And last week, Jackson pointed us ahead to the unshakable hope that we have in Jesus despite the suffering that we experience here in this broken world. And today, we're wrapping it up by looking on the bright side. Look at that smile. The smile underpinning the whole thing, looking on the bright side. We as Christians need to be people who are marked by joy. 
And right up the front, I just want to say that today my hope is that all of us, and I'm talking about myself as well, feel moved to develop a more authentic relationship with Jesus. And in doing so, find our joy in him. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, um, I ask that you would soften our hearts today. Um, I pray that you would be at work in our hearts and uh, convicting us and convincing us of who you are and what we need to do. We love you and we want to serve you and so we just want to give ourselves to you this morning. Amen. So have you ever seen a joyless Christian? Oh, that was too many yeses. I've definitely seen my share of joyless Christians. I'd like to tell you a story when I was growing up. I was young, okay? So don't judge me on this. I was growing up and every now and then I had the opportunity to sit with my friend in church. It didn't come around too often, but when it did, uh, we knew that we had to have fun. We knew that we had to do something to enjoy the experience. So I remember this one day we were sitting in church together and... We were looking around for something to do, and all we saw were the backs of people's heads. So we thought, let's draw the backs of people's heads. That's fun. The church I grew up in, what you need to know is that the women wore hats, and some of the hats were doozies. And so my friend and I would sit there, and we would be cracking ourselves up because we would make the hats look even more ridiculous on paper. Then when we were finished with the hats, we looked around, and we saw, ooh, receding hairlines. Oh, that's fun. And so we would draw the backs of people's head and we'd put lots of fluff on the top and we would just thought we were hilarious. And then we started pinpointing some other people in the church, some steamers. And here's what we did. We would pinpoint these people, we'd draw the back of their head and then we would draw steam blasts coming out of their ears. Some just had little kettle steam blasts. Others had full nuclear explosions coming out of their ears. We as kids knew that these were the steamers of the church, the people that always wore a frown, always, um, you know, you would steer away from them because you didn't want to get in trouble. We as kids knew we could pick the steamers of the church. What's wrong with this picture? Apart from the two kids who clearly needed to repent. As a kid, I never wanted to grow up to be like those steamers. But by contrast, have you ever seen a joy-filled Christian? Someone who you think just embodies joy. A beamer. Oh, sorry, uh, wrong kind of beamer. Oh, a beamer. Someone who smiles, an authentic beamer. What makes them different? What makes them filled with joy? Steamers and beamers. Who's who and what's what? I'd suggest that most of us um, in this world are in a pursuit of happiness. Whether we realise it or not, we're trying to live our lives and make choices in such a way that we find joy. It's just a natural inclination. But in one sense, despite the ridiculousness of the skit that we just watched, there's almost not much I need to add to this sermon. Stuff in this world can't give us lasting deep joy. Stuff in this world cannot just make us a beamer. There's no How to Become Joyful in Three Days magazine article that you can look into that can bring you the kind of joy that our hearts long for. 
So just to say it straight, true joy can only be found in Jesus. It's a pretty bold statement. So what makes me so sure? I'd like to draw your eyes to a conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. And at the end of this conversation, something led Jesus to say this. He said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What on earth did he say before this statement to be able to say that this will bring you joy? Well, let's have a read. It's in John 15. It's a little bit long, but try and keep up. John 15, 1 to 11, it says, I'm the true vine. This is Jesus talking. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Here we go. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father's loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Just in case you missed the 500 remains in that section. The overwhelming message of this passage is to remain in Jesus. Where does joy come from? Joy comes from remaining in Jesus. So let's take a look at what that looks like. Jesus tells us to remain in him, and Max Licardo, he says this about this passage. He says, we Christians tend to miss this. We banter about pledges to change the world, make a difference for Christ, lead people to the Lord. Yet these are just byproducts of the Christ-focused life. Our goal is not to bear fruit, but to stay attached to the vine. He says, don't try harder, hang tighter. Don't try harder, hang tighter. I like that. Our assignment is not fruitfulness, but faithfulness. Hanging on tighter to Jesus is our assignment. So let's talk about some some basic spiritual disciplines. Reading God's word. How are you going with it? Prayer. Have you been praying much lately? How are you going with it? How about being aware of God's presence throughout your day? How are you going with that? Do you enjoy doing life with Jesus? Or is he just something that you kind of add on to your life on Sundays? If I'm honest with you, these questions are really challenging to me. And I hope they're challenging to you. I hope it's stirring something in you. Because it is a challenge and it's a a wrestle. But Jesus says, remain in me. You will have my joy and your joy will be complete. Let's look at what the psalmists say. Psalm 16, 11, the psalmist says to the Lord, you make known to me the path of life. 
You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And again, Psalm 84, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. And a bit further down, it says, better is just one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. These psalmists are overflowing with joy from being in the presence of God. And how about Paul's exclamation in Philippians 3? He says this, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Do you love spending time with him? Do you prioritize him in your life? Are you clinging to him? I've come to realize that being consistent in my relationship with Jesus is actually harder and requires more faith than um, what we might call a a big leap of faith. And it's because it's not just a once-off leap that we're taking, but a step of faith every single day to actually believe that my relationship with Jesus is more important and it's more urgent than anything else that my day will bring. That my relationship with Jesus is more important and more urgent than anything else in my day. It's also an act of faith because we don't often see much immediate progress. We spend 20 minutes reading the Bible one day and we go, I don't feel any different. Where's this joy that I was meant to get from this? And I think this is where our hearts need to shift a little bit. We shouldn't be pursuing Jesus so that we fill in the blanks. But rather we should be pursuing Jesus because he is Jesus, because he's the best. Forget the rest. He is the one who brings us joy and it is him being in a relationship with him is, is the best thing you'll ever do. So we're not, we're not pursuing him so that he can X, Y, Z, but because he's Jesus. I quit eating chocolate two weeks ago. Talk about a joyless life. My goodness. Um, I am someone who would wake up, eat chocolate before breakfast, eat chocolate after breakfast, eat chocolate before I go to work. When I arrive at work, eat chocolate. And the list goes on. You can imagine my day. And I decided that I didn't want to be controlled by chocolate anymore, so I went cold turkey. But here's what happened. I stopped eating chocolate for three hours. And I walked past the mirror and I went, do I look different? Am my pimples gone? Am I looking a little thinner? Mm, I think so. Of course not. <laughs> um, and if I, was, if I was quitting chocolate for those reasons, I think I would have um, given that up by now and restarted chocolate. But I had a greater purpose. My giving up chocolate isn't to see results. My giving up chocolate was because I was addicted and needed help. So our goal is not to pursue Jesus so that he will give us joy so that he might look favorably on me or whatever. Our goal is Jesus. Our goal is Jesus, our relationship with him. And he's so gracious with us that because of this relationship, he will change us and he will mold us and he will bless us with his joy. 
It's only in the consistency and the keeping getting up and believing that we can look back on our journey with Jesus and go, oh, oh, how did I get here? Oh, I'm actually in a far better place than I was back then. Oh, I'm actually enjoying being in his presence. But it's little by little and it's faithful and faith-filled steps every day. Not only will you get more in step with Jesus and his heart, but Jesus promises that he will give you his joy and that your joy will be complete. So start small and keep it real. And get rid of your excuses. Spend time in God's word. Pray. Be real with him. Be real with him. Don't go, okay, now it's prayer time. Abba, Father, da-da-da-da. Just be real. Be honest with him about where you're at. I've never heard someone regret spending time with God. I've never heard someone say, oh, wish I didn't spend so much time with God this morning. That was the worst. (laughs) But I've heard the opposite and mostly from myself. Why don't I spend more time with him? The times I do spend with him are so wonderful. Why do I forget? Don't try harder to be joyful. Remain in him that you may consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Joy isn't the goal. Jesus is. So while we're on this pursuit of an authentic relationship with Jesus and remaining in him, out of the overflow of this relationship will flow a life marked by joy. Jesus said, remain in my love. If you keep my commands you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Living a life grounded in Jesus produces in us a desire for obedience. Being obedient to Jesus brings us joy. Obedience probably is a word with negative connotations, like we're forced into something not fun, but we have to do it. But the more we're centred on Jesus the more our desires start to line up with his desires and we find joy in obedience, joy in a life in step with him. Let me give a couple of examples. Have you ever experienced that that little nudge that you need to give a particular sum of money to someone or something? And you could easily just dismiss that, but you decide instead, okay, I'll do that. And you give the money And afterwards, you feel a sense of joy. Despite how much of a struggle it was to do, there's a sense of joy. Or maybe um, you feel that nudge uh, if you see someone who needs help in some way and you go, it's kind of inconvenient. But you decide to do it anyway. You decide to get alongside them and help them. You don't only get joy from doing a good thing, but... There's a a sense of deeper joy because you know that you're teaming up with Jesus and you're doing life with him. Or maybe you are just desperate to gossip with your friends about someone you hate. But then you shut your mouth because in reading your Bible that morning, you were challenged to love your enemies. And so you decide to shut your mouth and you just get that little hit of joy from knowing that Somehow, way, you are teaming up with Jesus. Your desires are becoming like his. You're doing life with him. The more we sit with Jesus in his presence, the more we remain in him, 
the more we understand about him and his desires and the more our desires line up with his. I think that's why Jesus could say in verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, this is spicy, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Did anyone catch that part when we were reading it? Good job. Spicy. But I don't think this is saying that Jesus is a genie in a bottle. But the more our desires line up with his desires, the more we enter into kingdom work which he blesses. The more that we see him at work in us and through us and in the lives of others, the more living a life for him thrills our souls. And when others take steps towards Jesus, oh, how it thrills our souls. Many of us love watching baptisms. A couple of weeks ago, I had the real privilege of baptizing a young lady who I love deeply. And man, the joy of baptizing her overwhelmed me that the baptism tank started rising because of my tears. (laughs) There is something so special about watching baptisms. Why is that? Because we're witnessing someone take a step of obedience, someone saying yes to Jesus. And that declaration of obedience reaches parts of our heart that aren't touched by regular circumstantial happiness. There's a deep joy. This is the kind of thing that makes the angels in heaven rejoice when just one person turns towards Jesus. Two weeks ago at Kids Church, I challenged um, the older group to try praying on their own through the next week, rather than either not at all or with their parents. Just trying praying on their own. And last week I asked my group how they went, not really sure what to expect in their answers. But then one of the young fellas humbly told me that he stopped doing fun things every day and went to his room and prayed for 10 minutes. And that this week he was going to aim for 20 minutes every day. That thrilled my soul to hear that, that this young guy would, would choose to step aside from the fun things in life and go into his room and pray. And he was so full of joy from that that he's saying, I'm upping it to 20 minutes this week. What a joy. But also, oh, what a challenge that was to me. 20 minutes every day? So he's pushed me this week. It's a joy to live for and with Jesus. But I know there are some objections. I know that there's some counter-arguments. I hear you say, no, no, I've experienced joy without Jesus. I don't need him to live a joy-filled life. My response to that would be, yeah, you've probably experienced joy, and that's excellent. But I reckon that joy is a gift from the source of joy, Jesus. Some of his gifts can bring such a deep sense of joy. Many of you will know that six or nearly six weeks ago, I became an auntie for the first time. (gasps) Thank you. (laughs) And the, the joy that this nephew of mine has brought into our family has just, it's just brought so much joy. He's a gift of joy. And as I watch Josh and Jess as new parents, although their eye bags are a little bigger these days, um, they are so giddy and so joy-filled at their precious little son. What a miracle of life. What a joy. God gives gifts of joy. He's a, he, Patrick, is a gift from God. 
He is a gift from the giver of joy. I can enjoy the joy that I receive from Patrick from being his auntie, but he can't be my source of joy. What if one day he decides that he is too cool to hang out with his auntie? <laughs> and if I found all of my source of joy in Patrick, oh, what would happen to my joy? Gifts of joy are from the source of joy. To be enjoyed, but not worshipped. Gifts that point us to the giver, the source of all joy, Jesus. And there might be another objection you have. I'm not super naive. Life can't always be sunshine and roses. So a real question is, where is joy in the dark night of my soul? Where is joy in the wilderness times in my life, the winter seasons? Where is Jesus in those times? Life is hard, let's be real. And life will keep being hard because we are living in a world that is so deeply broken. I was wondering this week how to talk about this section. And honestly, I just felt ill-equipped and inexperienced to do so. But I don't think it was a coincidence that last week I was speaking to Chris Bullock and she was sharing with me um, a story about her life um, and particularly about how she found joy despite her suffering. And so rather than me spit facts at you, I'd like to invite Chris up just to share her story with us. Hey, everybody. It's great to be able to share this story of God's faithfulness with you. So when I was 46, I had been quite unwell and had scans and all that, and they found I had a really big tumour in my kidney, one of my kidneys. And I also had a significant enlargement of all the lymph nodes around that kidney. So it was a pretty um, grim diagnosis. It was made more challenging because my mother had died of cancer at just 47. So there was a very strong lived reality for me that getting cancer in your 40s can and does result in people dying. So I was faced with, I guess, my greatest fear. I had three kids at home and, you know, in high school. And it was, it was a bit scary. Well, it was very scary. So as I sat in the radiology room waiting for my scans, I said to God, I can only do this with you. And I asked for his grace. And what I felt from him was I needed to, the, the verse that came to me was Romans 12.1. And so my prayer as I waited for the surgery and as I went through more scans and all that was, God, I offer my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. I said to him, my heart's desire is to see my grandchildren married. I had no grandchildren at that stage, but, you know, my heart's desire is to have a long life and see my children's children. But God, you're God. Whatever you want, I give myself to you. Strangely, I didn't feel called to ask for healing, even though I know God is a God who heals. I just asked for God. And it was absolutely remarkable even though those weeks 
were full of sadness and stress and anxiety, they were overwhelmed with joy. I, I, it was a total gift of joy. It wasn't, there was no earthly source of joy. It was just this joy that filled me and was purely from the Father, a grace gift. A, a lot of people were praying for me as well, of course, which helped. But it was truly a time when I found that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And as I held my hands out to my dad and just asked him to bless me, to give me what I needed, he came through in bucket loads. It was funny, Rob, my husband, he wasn't given the gift of joy, he was given the gift of faith and he was absolutely sure that I was going to be okay. But the scans actually got worse and worse. It looked... They, they didn't want to operate because they thought I had three to four months to live. But we went, no, we want this surgery. And I believe God healed me of stage four kidney cancer because all the indications were that it was really bad. But when they went in, they found a benign tumour and inexplicably the lymph nodes were just full of fatty tissue. No one could explain why. And so I got the healing. But the greater gift was the joy and as Bagel keeps saying, the joy came from that relationship, not from begging him to do something for me, but from clinging to him. And, um, yeah, it's such a precious memory. And, I mean, that joy has been in other times as well. But, yeah. Thanks. I don't have to give you this. Thanks, Chris. So the, the absence of suffering does not bring joy. The presence of Jesus brings joy. The Father does not just give us joy, he gives us himself. So wherever you're at in your life right now, let's run to him. Let's hold tight to him and let's believe that he is all we need. When we get to the end of our lives and we are soon to enter into the full presence of Jesus, May we not regret the times that we failed to prioritise Jesus, but rather may we look back with fondness on the joy that Jesus gave and let it be known that our joy, all of our beamingness, was only found in him. Lauren's about to sing a most beautiful, prayerful song. Um, and as she sings it, um, I would just ask that, that you would listen and that your heart may be drawn into prayer as she sings. So, thank you, Lauren. 